ice water in his veins. I couldn't think of a better place to end the street than Death Valley, South Carolina, baby. Guys going down, guys stepping up. That's what football is all about. And they say we can't do it. What they say now? Welcome back to the Clemson Podcast. Since D-Line has denied allegations of receiving NIL money from Charmin despite their super soft performance in South Bend, Bama has two losses before Thanksgiving for the first time since 2010. The Tigers are 8-1, and one, and life is all right. Welcome back to the Clemson Podcast. I'm your host, Jarrett, joined tonight by Cody. Ben and Tully are traveling back from South Bend as we speak. So, here we are. First loss of the season, and it was ugly. At one point, it was 28-0 in the fourth quarter, and most of us that were watching the game pretty much just weren't even mad at that point. We were just – it was hard to hard to believe. So this uh, – we may not go super in-depth on every play and every twist and turn throughout the game, but we're here to kind of cover the big picture with our knowledge of the program and just put this game into context and what it means – for us moving forward and how we possibly got here and what to do next. So with that said, Cody, what happened? Well, a lot happened. I, I would like to say this is, was a long time coming or this kind of loss was a long time in the making. Um, there was a lot of, a lot of uh, squeaky wheels that were left ungreased. I, I guess, I don't know the right saying, but there were a lot of things that we didn't needed to tend to, uh, I think over a long period of time. And you, you haven't seen this type of loss. I think I saw Quacking Tigers say it's been it's the worst loss in 10 years. I would, I would say it's, it reminds me the most of the 2013 Florida State game. And yeah, uh, to me, we what I said. The 2013 Florida State yeah, game? Just, that was your, just, yeah. Um, outplayed, and you're just watching it like, how is this? Mm-hmm. Yeah, like we're beat up in the trenches. Well, the, and the difference in that game was that that was the eventual national championship winner, and that was a really, really good Florida State team. Whereas I, this wasn't a really good Notre Dame team. Uh, I think they have potential. They have their, you know, their on their talent. I think I think they've underplayed relative to their talent level this year. But it's not a very good Notre Dame team. We should have beat them by two touchdowns or at least one touchdown. Um, so that that what went wrong to your original question? It's like a lot a lot of things went wrong. I guess we'll we'll get into that. But the fact that we got so roughed up, we got so out coached, and uh, it it was so lopsided. Uh, it really sticks with you. And and I, I will say the one thing that was nice is like you kind of felt it as a Clemson fan. Like this is unfamiliar. We haven't been here in a while. And Dabo felt it too in the press conference. And I think he showed. I think that, you know he said it was an ass kicking. He doesn't cuss that much. And he says, you know, we have a long way to go to, to clean this up. So I, I, that was kind of uh, – that was comforting to hear him just own up to it. Yeah, he did say it's all on me. I, I appreciate the ownership and the accountability. But that's that's kind of deflecting because the reality is it isn't all on him. And I think we'll talk more about who it is actually on uh, more in this episode. Yeah, you know, Jocko would be uh, pretty proud of him taking extreme ownership on that. So – but that's just um, – Dabo's always going to do that. And if that surprises you, you just – you haven't been following. You don't know who he is. 
Um, he's always going to defend his culture, his program, his, and especially his players and his coaches. Um, just because I think part of him want, like he, he's, he's investing so much of his life into this college program, right. Into this culture and what he's trying to build and whether, whether or not we think that he's taking the best steps to give us long-term success is kind of irrelevant in the sense that like he just believes that these are the right moves. Um, but yeah, the, the things that have been long time coming, uh, you know, if you remember, and I know that you do, the last time I really feel like we had a dominant offense was probably that Bama 2018 game. Now I know that we had some really dominant games in 2019, but it just seems like that's kind of the tipping point to where it just slowly started to, you know, I guess like get worse and worse. And, you know, just to kick off talking about offense, I mean, what are your thoughts leading up to this over the last couple of years? And then what you, what did you see on the field, those warts that finally came to the surface? Well, I mean, I think, well, there's a lot there because we've talked, we've seen a lot written and we've talked offline about, you know, Brandon Streeter, you know, being a bad offensive coordinator. And I'm like, wait a second. Like you got to take a more of a holistic view of what's been going on. Like, as you just mentioned, 2018 as our, as us, you know, the pinnacle of our offense. And then if you, there's actually two more years to Trevor Lawrence after 2018. So what happened? Like what's been going on since then? Uh, and Brandon, you know, this thing, these things predate Brandon Streeter as an offensive coordinator. So uh, to, to look at it just through the like through the lens of this game or even this whole season uh, is an injustice to you know the truth and uh, in particular Brandon Streeter. I think he's been fun. I think part of the thing is we're dealing with a, a quarterback that does have some some issues like psychologically. I don't know if anything's going on outside of football. That I think that was the case a little bit last year. Um, he, he maybe he's rattled, and I don't know what 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 mm-hmm. what the reason for that is. Last year, he clear, he seemed to be rattled, it, it, and he was a completely different quarterback, and he saw shades of what he could be through the first, um, I guess, seven games this season. And then over the last two weeks, three weeks, I guess, it's just kind of unraveled. Um, and the one thing I'll say is Clemson is not built, and they have, they, they've shown no evidence of building a team that's, um, that's championship contending without a generational quarterback. There's no evidence to suggest – they, um, they're, they're, they're able to do that with other parts of the, let's say, offense. Uh, defense, yeah, they put that on. Um, they, they put national championship level defenses together before, but this isn't like Georgia's running game where you can just ground and pound and there's not uh, star studded receivers on the outside. So, um, yeah, I'll leave it at that. You're totally right. It's, um, uh, I think, psychologically, you read into the reports that the uh, coaches say after the games and um, you know, just on that, they seem to be very cautiously always trying to hype DJ up and to talk about, he's going to have his confidence. He's going to get his confidence back. He's going to be confident the next game. Um, Because I think the truth is that they really just understand that this kid's like kind of a house of cards in the sense that as soon as he starts to spiral and starts to like lose confidence, he's just, feels bad and he's trying to look for the perfect play to redeem himself. And if it's not there, he'll force something or he'll just like not even see a super obvious play because he's like in his own head. And I mean, 
love the kid. He's done so much over the last couple of years, last year or two to improve, but you, you can't be elite at any athletic endeavor, whether it's football or chess or jujitsu or whatever it is. If you can't put a loss behind you, if you, if you make that loss carry on to two or three more losses, that's what KJ Henry and the guys were saying today, this week in the interviews is like, we can't let Notre Dame make us lose to Louisville just because we're in our heads about it. So most of the team understands that. It's just, I think he, you know, they, they schemed up pretty conservatively. Maybe that's because of the wind. Maybe that's more likely because they wanted to ease him back into being confident. But by the time they started to open it up, it was kind of too late. So um, do you think that they could have done anything differently with the offensive game plan? Again, not that we're going to pull apart in a film review, but just, you know, from your gut, you were at the game. So, yeah, um, I guess they could have been more aggressive. I, certainly a, a, a mentality of, of being the aggressor, um, like Notre Dame certainly was, and they and Clemson mm-hmm. certainly wasn't. The win did play a role. Uh, to me, it was like, it, if you, t- I mean, you're basically taking, you know, everything, like 10 yard passes and, and down and, and, and further, like you're taking that out of, out of our offensive repertoire. Uh, so it's like, like we're completely, uh, kind of muted or stunned. Um, there, you're kind of taking one of DJ's best characteristics. And I know it's going to be, it was going to be a tough, uh, it was going to be tough passing through that, those high level wins, but you had to at least show some things on film to, to make their defense fear you a little bit. So I think that there was a, um, a decision to go conservative, and it probably coincided with the fact that DJ was benched the game before. Um, so it was probably mm-hmm. those two things, not trusting him to make the passes, or even worse, you know, a bad pass into the wind gets intercepted, and then mm-hmm. we, we really unravel. But, you know, you're kind of choosing you're – cho- you're choosing between two bad paths, really. You, you can be, mm-hmm. uh, be conservative and, and risk-averse, or you can not be in either way um, – <laughs> We took the we took the conservative route and it, it bit us in the end. I think they should have came in with a little bit more confidence in DJ and gave him a chance to, to pass a little bit more downfield. But that's that's hindsight, obviously. No, I, I I agree. And the fact that they didn't, and they see him every day in practice, probably meant that like, hey, they were nervous that anything that happens early that makes him start to doubt himself is gonna you know unravel him for the rest of the game. Otherwise, they'd be like, hey, look. You know, if he's a different guy, I'd be like, look, DJ can come out here. We'll give him some passes and he'll, he can put some, he'll throw it to overthrow it or underthrow it. If he, if it's in harm's way, he's not going to put a ball in jeopardy, but he's going to at least, we're going to give him some shots downfield and stuff. And it feels like they just kind of don't trust him to not make a mistake or be in his head. So yeah, yeah, it's, um, it's too bad. Like it was just so pathetic, like seeing us get no points until the fourth quarter. Like you said, I was at the FSU game as a student. That was my last semester at Clemson. And uh, man, watching them go up like it was nothing. When we had like seven points, it was like 24-7 in like the second quarter. And it was just like, it was over. So this yeah. is, that's exactly what this game felt like. Yeah, that <laughs> – you have to take like those bumps and bruises on the ascent to be an uh, elite. You have to like gauge yourself against some mm-hmm. like a team that truly was elite in Florida State that year, and you're like, "Whoa, we're not there." Yeah. Here's here's the things that are wrong with us. Mm-hmm. But when you're on the backside of like being great and having you know you know a short dynasty that I guess we had, then mm-hmm. you get 
then you get beat by someone like Notre Dame. It's like, oh man, that's it's that's not Florida State 2013. So it stings. It definitely stings. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think it helps us a lot in recruiting. But uh, but yeah, I no. I, I think with um, yeah with with DJ like one going you know, kind of going back to Brand Brandon Streeter and his his choice to go conservative. When I my takeaway after this game was wow. I, I'm amazed that Brandon Streeter has been able to get this much out of DJ. I mean, he was arguably on a Heisman watch, or at least, you know, you know, you could put him in the conversation just like two or three weeks ago. Um, mm-hmm. So he was, he was pulling all, I thought he was pushing and whatever, pulling all the right buttons to get as, as mm-hmm. much out of him, easing him in. So I, early in their season, he's a little bit more conservative. I thought that was intentional. I think that's correct. And, and really getting and seeing what was, uh, you know, an all conference caliber quarterback, you know, for a few games, maybe a little bit, uh, a few more uh, in DJ. Mm-hmm. So this game, this game to me was like, wow, I'm, I'm impressed with what Brandon Streeter has done. And then I go and like, I read on, uh, you know, different, uh, I'm on Twitter, I'm on uh, Shaking the Southland, other comment boards. Mm-hmm. And it's like, fire Brandon Streeter, you know, bad, <laughs> bad internal hire, no experience, blah, blah, blah. And maybe they're right. I don't mm-hmm. know, Jared, you tell me, Jared. Um, and I don't know if you want to talk about the coaching and the off off season decisions, but I don't. I still. I'm. 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 I'm going to stand in this hill right now until I have more evidence. But I'm going to say Brandon Streeter has been an upgrade based yeah. off of like based off of what we saw last year, and what we <laughs> saw last year was horrible. It was horrific. Both yeah. quarterback play, offensive line play. Certain parts have gotten better, obviously, this year um, with DJ being a big part mm-hmm. of that. It's like what. I guess my, I'll, I, I'll let you speak, but I, I guess just it goes back to like, what were your expectations coming into the season? If, uh, did you, you know, were you expecting Deshaun Watson yeah. 2016? Or what were you expecting? <laughs> no, I think the record will show that we were all cautiously optimistic and we didn't even know if he was going to not transfer. Like we thought, you know, maybe Cade comes in and looks really good and he just says, screw this, I'm going to go somewhere else. So the fact that Streeter was able to guide him and bring him to a stable point where he was looking like that all-conference quarterback says a lot about Streeter. And it also, you know, again, we're not super film guys, but it doesn't take one to realize we're attacking the middle of the field more. We're using the tight ends more. We're, there's more creativity in the offense and in the passing game. We're using a lot more motion and sweeps and stuff like we've been calling for. So Streeter has added a lot more with Richardson to the the passing game and to the playbook. I think it's just that, you know, he did whatever he could to build DJ up all summer and spring, summer and fall. And then, you know, as soon as he started taking chinks in the armor, it's just like falling apart. And I hate to talk about him like that because he's a, He's a 22-year-old kid or 21-year-old kid. But um, that's just the reality when you play at this level. It's like if you mentally can't put one bad play behind you, then it doesn't matter if, um, you know, who's freaking calling the plays. If it's Chip Kelly or if it's, uh, you know, Chad Morris or um, Brad Scott, it's not going to work out. And, yeah, like you said, we haven't really been building those elite wide receiver core, I, you know, is Grisham terrible? He's not great. Doesn't seem to be. Doesn't seem like we've had a lot of serious depth and development. Um, We see guys that come in that are talented and then they stay about that level. And 
you know, not really take that next step like Ngata and Bo and, um, you know, some of those other players. So I think that the intensity is lost on both sides and both coordinators are new. It's their first year. Um, so do we want to keep beating the offense like a dead horse? I mean, anything else you want to say? It's, it's getting – it's better than it was last year. I think the quarterback is just shaky and they know it and they're nervous and Cade's not ready yet. So they're just doing what they can. Yeah. And I think it, it proved out it's, it's tough with Cade Klubnik of um, he has not looked good. And I don't mean that like in a production sort of way um, mm-hmm. because when he comes in late in games, I don't put too much mm-hmm. stock. I, I, I just want to see how, how, how he's processing things. If he does make mm-hmm. a downfield pass, did he go through a progression? Is he locking in on a receiver? Is the guy open? Is his, what's his accuracy? Mm-hmm. And he, it seems like the game's coming really fast for him. He's just, he hasn't, mm-hmm. that interception was not a, a it, it wasn't random. Uh, like he's going to mm-hmm. throw some interceptions based off of the, the way he's, he's, he's reading the game, which um, he's, he's going to need more time. So it's, it's tough like to say like, uh, I don't know, going back to like them, putting in Kate Klubnik, I think if they were going to do it, they did it mm. a series too late. And if yeah, they also if they I agree. Do it, they could not do it at that part in the, that part of the field. You had to do it mm-hmm. in a position where you, if you're going to take some risk with the passing, you can't be doing it from like your own five yard line. Um, mm-hmm. I think Dabo knew it was a mistake after the fact, or they, I'm sure they knew internally. They, they, they either didn't act fast enough or they, or they were, mm-hmm or they shouldn't have acted at all because DJ was probably mentally done after that too. So Yeah, I would I was saying I was calling for DJ to get one more um drive after the half and just turn it over to Cade and just give him the rest of the game. I mean, even if he sucks, like we sucked up to that point. Like at that point I don't care about the psyche. Like I'm trying to win the game, you know? And it's like if Cade can get the um get things going cuz he's only he hasn't had a ton you could probably look back and he's maybe had like, what do you, what would you say? Over under on a dozen drives this season. I'd take the under. Series. Yeah. It's, well, Syracuse might've Syracuse might've pushed it over 12, but it's probably, yeah. If you remove for Syracuse, it's yeah. definitely under 10. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So he, he just, he needs time. And I wonder if that's what we'll see. Moving forward, that's what I want to see is he needs to get more snaps. And it's not that I hate DJ or whatever. It's just that, like, if we're going to know what Cade's going to be next year, we have to see it this year. And he has to get some real game snaps that count with the ones and the twos, you know, against real teams and not just in garbage time. Yeah, I mean, it's it's so fun. Like, Dan Orvlosky said that uh, of ESPN. He's got some hot. He's he's a little hot takey, but we're the hot takey guys. Mm-hmm. Of the, so we're yeah. I, he, he said you have to go with Kate Klubnik, and he might not be wrong. It's it's you you are I don't want to say effectively, but more or less I think you're done uh, in terms of the playoffs. Mm-hmm. And if if you're a Clemson fan that's holding on to hope for the playoffs, it's like you you didn't watch Saturday night's game. Like I I won't no part in a in a <laughs> yeah. semifinal. You don't want blowout. Um, I'm just kidding. If we can't, if we yeah. could write, if we could write this ship, then that would be great. I'm just, I, I guess my point of that is we're a long way from being a, a playoff team and we've, we've taken steps back in the last few weeks. So, um, so mm-hmm. you, you do have to think about like what's best for the team. 
Uh, I there's a lot of seniors and at least a lot of third year guys that won't be returning next year. I think you have to put your best foot forward. And if that is Cade, and maybe it is, maybe he's a spark plug. He, he certainly doesn't have the mm-hmm. talent. Things are slow for him. But when you put him in against Syracuse, he got things going. Maybe maybe that's the reason. Obviously, you're building up for next year. Yeah. Um, I, I don't think it's that big a risk at this point. Um, I, mm-hmm. It may diminish the, the product of the offense a little bit, but mm-hmm. ultimately, ultimately you are setting yourself up for next year. Um, that's, that's a tough one, but just going back to the offense as a whole, like, I guess like you, you pointed out Tyler Grisham and I've heard position coats coaches get floated around. I, I just can't assign the blame on position coaches, not, not new ones like this, Mm-hmm. Call, like Caldwell Pierman over a long, over a decade or almost close to a decade. When you see recruiting misses over and over, you don't see development. Mm-hmm. Although with Caldwell, you did see some development and uh, lower ranked offensive linemen. But when you see mm-hmm. these kind of these kind of trends that seem to be systemic over time, you can isolate it. Um, you know, like for example, Pierman wasn't recruiting very well in in North Carolina, which was his territory. Like you can isolate it uh, to a specific coach. I can't put too much stock in CJ Spiller or, or mm-hmm. Tyler Christian. Uh, Cause if you want to look at, if you're just playing the, like, what have you done for me? You know, and looking at a vacuum of the receivers that you coach, you got to, mm-hmm. you, you're going to put Engada on him. You got to, you got to give him credit for Cornell Powell and Amari Rogers in there last year. You got to give him credit for recruiting Antonio Williams. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. I, there's been some misses in recruiting and I think that's, that does have to improve. I just, I can't put too much weight into uh, Tyler Grisham or CJ Spiller. Like, what are you going to, you're going to complain about Shipley or Maffa right now? Uh, that's, that's going pretty well. Yeah. Uh, uh, the, the thing I will say, if you want to critique Dabo, not for or one specific guy, but critique Dabo for not bringing someone more experienced or an outside voice or an outside eye, I, I could see that there's merit to that argument. Just getting new blood. Uh, hey, Dabo, mm-hmm. here's, here's the things that we did at XYZ University. And then you you, mm-hmm. you you bring in that diversity of ideas, which yields, you know, I think a greater greater culture and a greater overall football product. But you give him criticism all day for that. I just have a hard time isolating it to a, a specific position coach. And I'm open to arguments that uh, that re- that rebuke that. But uh, mm-hmm. that's that's just how I. That's respectable. Yeah, I you have um a lot of patience to be able to say that when most of us don't want to wait and it's easy to scapegoat a position coach because of what you see in certain aspects, maybe, you know, with selective memory about certain things when you do have, yeah, Amari, you do have Cornell Powell, um, you know, um, what's your hot take on how long would it take you before you say CJ is trash at recruiting uh, running backs and and so is Grisham another what two years of kind of not much so like four years in the program that's, that's a college question. degree so basically if they graduate you know if they get their degree and they have a 2.0 GPA <laughs> uh, yeah that's a good question I, I think you give uh, you know by all you know all indications suggest that Grisham had a pretty good haul this year. We haven't, we haven't get, we haven't really gotten to see Randall yet, but I, it sounds like he has mm-hmm. two pretty good ones in this class. Bo Collins was a good one from last class. Um, mm-hmm. So I, 
I think, uh, I think you give them both probably two more years. Uh, you can, yeah. I, you know, I don't follow recruiting as much as I used to do. I used to, you know, there's who you're ending up on people's uh, final list is an indicator of, you know, what kind of relationships you're able to build and um, what kind of, what, what tier of prospects you're, uh, you're, you're attracting. And, and, and I haven't, mm-hmm. I haven't dug into that as much in the last few years. So I, I couldn't say, but I, I'd say that the talent level has been fine at running back over the last couple of years. It's starting to decline at, at, mm-hmm. at receiver, and I think that's been pretty obvious. And it's not just that. It's health, and it's some busts. I mean, mm-hmm. you recruit four-star guys, you, you expect a couple of them to work out. Um, that hasn't been the case. Yeah. So, yeah. I'd say two more seasons, Jarrett. Long story long. I like it. I like it. Long story long. That's what uh, that's what we do when we have not much else to say, but just we'll keep it moving. Keeping it moving, and uh, let's talk about the defense. So, yeah, I don't recall ever seeing a team that just looked so soft, like, all the way across. I mean, we had some stops, and then we would let a 12-yard run go by. And then maybe one stop, and then another eight-yard run. And they, like you said in the top of the show, it's very clear that, like, each game we've had little things that have gone wrong that we've been able to compensate for with other ways like Dabo and them say we've found ways to win in every single game except this one because it felt like every issue that we had all popped up in the same game the stretch run play from FSU uh, the struggles in the passing game from Syracuse and you know interceptions and stuff like that so it just felt like there was no way to get away from all of our bad habits or bad luck or whatever you want to call it but you know when you watch the defense even at the game, I mean, was it as surprising for you to see this team just constantly get gashed over and over with all the talent that we have, especially on paper? Exactly. That was my, my thought. I, we look small out there and we're not, by the way, like on paper mm-hmm. and, and, you know, and weigh-ins like there's, there's mm-hmm. some, there's plenty of NFL linemen on Clemson's defensive line, but we seem to be smaller than them on, on both lines of scrimmage, by the way. Yeah. Which is, and it, obviously we weren't, but we we're just getting pushed off the off the line. I just I, I haven't seen anything like that in in years. Uh, that's just not mm-hmm. what we what we come accustomed to. And it's okay to you know take some losers here or there to a really good team. And I think Notre Dame's offensive line is pretty good. But look, they don't mm-hmm. have a quarterback. Uh, the wind's blowing at yeah. you know, 15, 20 miles an hour. You know they're not passing, so you know what they're going to do. So from that point, mm-hmm. it's all about just getting penetration. Um, up front and and gap fits and up from your mm-hmm. linebackers and that's where we it's been a problem all year like you said and it just kind of it 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 all came crumbling down and um that's you know we've kind of talked about this but I don't put as much heat on the offense offensive staff yet now you want to take holistically put you know Dabo versus some systemic failures over time dating back to mm-hmm. as, as late as 2018 um, to not enhance the offense or look for new hires. Sure. Um, but I don't put in the immediate, like right now, I don't put that on Brandon Streeter. However, on defense, mm-hmm. I do think there is some blame on, 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 uh, on the coaching, on the intensity, on lack of tackling, lack of, uh, lack of effort, uh, you know, poor gap fits. Cause these aren't, these aren't mm-hmm. rookies. These aren't first year players. You have four and five year guys out there that aren't, that aren't um, finding their gaps and, you know, that look worse. They they look like first year guys. 
it's it it's the best linebacker unit on paper. Mm-hmm. You know, say what you will, but it's the best linebacker unit with depth. I mean, like to put it in perspective, I was thinking about this. Levante Bentley, I think, and Keith McGuire uh, mm-hmm. would would have been at the same talent level as our 2015 linebackers, and mm-hmm. those are those are our backups this year. Just to, yeah. just for some perspective. I mean, no offense to Kendall Joseph or uh, Ben Bulware, but I think Bentley and McGuire close to as good as they were um so mm-hmm. like what what's lacking yeah it's it's certainly not talent um and, mm-hmm. um it, i mean it goes it goes to you know west goodwin a little bit and again we talked about him last two weeks ago whenever it was uh clearly there's going to be a drop off from brent venables but i did mm-hmm. not expect to see it this soon i didn't expect to see it with the, the lack of intensity and brent venables energy and intensity went with him to Oklahoma. Well, actually, I don't know. It might have, it might have stayed on the plane. I don't know what happened, but <laughs> yeah. it, it, it's not in Clemson anymore, though. We'll say. Yeah, yeah. And what's really been shocking to read and then watch because it seems like the defense. I figured early on, it's like okay, there's injuries, and then Davis was out for games, and then Brazil was out for a couple games, and XT has been in and out, and. Um, you know, all the different injuries in the secondary. So, like, I figured, oh, wow, FSU, we're going to be healthy. They're going to get crushed. We're going to – it's going to be great. And then just didn't see it. Syracuse didn't see it. And then Notre Dame really didn't see it. So, it's almost – I'm willing to hot take and say that, like, the defense has just gotten worse over the last, like, couple of games. And it's just getting less intense, less focused. It, like, it looks like – looks like today was our first game of the season and it looks like we were going backwards, you know, in, in, instead of we've been playing eight games, it looks like we've been playing two games. Right. And something that's really weird is all season you hear about, this is one of our best practice weeks. And we were, we were very intense and had great effort and we're all over the ball. And then they play the game and then they say, yeah, we don't know. It just didn't really match and how we looked uh, in practice and we don't know why. And that's a super big head scratcher for me, maybe because I don't know enough to read between those lines, but it's, it makes me wonder, like, is there not as many vocal leaders on the defense? Do the team, the players not really trust Goodwin's scheme, or maybe they, um, maybe he's calling different stuff that they practice or something, but I really, it's hard to know why all of these really talented players would just play with less intensity and just kind of, you know, almost like just loafing around. I mean, this this game might as well have been sponsored by Sperry Topsiders. There was so much loafing going on. Yeah, that's a good one, man. <laughs> yeah, what are your thoughts? Um, no, no, you're, you're exactly right. I, and I don't know, like, again, we talked about it behind the scenes. It's hard to, like, understand and draw connections between a coach, their intensity level, what we see from Venables on the sidelines. It's like, clearly, we don't have that anymore. And it's and then it's mm-hmm. hard to blame uh, Wes Goodwin because, like you said, you don't know what's going on with position group coaches. You, you, you don't know what's going on with the players. Are there other issues? Or are they focused on the NFL? Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I don't know what's going on. But I know that for 10 years, uh, I didn't see this lack of toughness. And what's not, – Not even close. Yeah, Have a great A-B test because we had more or less the same defense last year. Um, I, mm-hmm. I'd ar- argue that they're better. You know, some you know, secondary has fallen off for sure. But – uh, mm-hmm. the, that front seven is just as good, and and that's where we've had issues. So, I I don't know yeah, I don't know what's going on, but uh, if if I were to peg something on Dabo, I, look he he's got 
you know, the season's not over. There's a lot, lot to do from here. I, don't, I, I do think the playoffs mm-hmm. probably out of the question, but ACC championship is still, we're, we're still in yeah. the running. But I, I do think Dabo, you, you can't do anything crazy midseason. So if, I, if I'm a fan and I'm a little irate and I want to see heads on, on stick, like, I, I don't think it's, I don't think we're there yet. But mm-hmm. if I don't see improvement on both sides of the football, I, I think he's mm-hmm. got to make some some tough decisions in the offseason. And if he doesn't, that's when I'm really going to say, okay, Dabo, there is some there is some hubris. There's stubbornness there. There's a guy that's not willing mm-hmm. to reinvent himself and infuse new blood, new ideas into the program. All those mm-hmm. – look, he, he sh- I do cr- criticize him for not doing that and not accepting transfers. If he doesn't start looking at the transfer portal, like mm-hmm. this offseason, I'm going to have to like, – like what's going on, Dabo? Like come on, man. You were the guy mm-hmm. that you, you you were the forward thinking, you know, the, the innovative guy in 2011. Like, who, mm-hmm. where did that where did that guy go? I I I, I don't know. Um, I can't remember what I was talking about. Um, between uh, like, was it Wes Goodwin? I, I don't remember. Yeah, we're not ready to go. put their head. We're not ready to put their heads on sticks, but we need to see some changes and um, yeah, and and willingness to innovate. And we've been um, beating this horse for a couple years now, and um. Dabo, when he's been saying the best is yet to come for the last eight years, it's like it seems like it's starting to be his vision of that is like he maybe he envisions the entire Clemson football program to be run by former players. That's a really admirable, crazy tough thing to do and have like actually talented people that are doing the thing. But I think what's happening is that like he's wanting that more than he's wanting to have the single best person in that role because it fits this like Dabo land as I'm going to start calling it that he's trying to create. And I mean, you know, to me, like Clemson is Dabo, Dabo is Clemson. Like that's, that's who I think of when I think of even my time as a student there is just, you know, his little isms and all this type of stuff. But I think if we go a couple of years, two to three years from now, and he really hasn't made any, improvements and we're you know sitting in that nine and three ten and two consistently year after year type of range like that's when we're gonna have to say okay like this has been a great run but if we don't innovate all the way through then are we going to be stuck like this for another decade and i'm not saying at all it's time for Dabo to be on the hot seat but you know it fans have a short memory we have a short memory. Yeah. I think you're all right. So my theory on that, and I think this is original. I haven't read this anywhere is Dabo does not prioritize winning mm-hmm. as, as his highest goal anymore. He did sure. on during the ascent. And I think Nick Saban has always done that. It's, it's more mm-hmm. cutthroat with Nick Saban. I'm here to win. And that I prioritize that over everything else. I think Dabo has put other facets of the program over winning. I'm not, mm-hmm. I'm not even fully criticizing that. I think almost everything he's done is noble, noble and admirable, but from, mm-hmm. from promoting from within, giving, like helping guys advance their career, finding good people, finding great players, uh, nurturing mm-hmm. them and, and give, giving them a, a vision for the Paul journey so they can, you know, kind of, ex, you know, ha, have a, a great career path forward outside of football. I think all of those things have started to become more important than winning, which it's fine, but you can't mm-hmm. you can't forget what funded all those things. Like I don't know you. At some point, you yeah. gotta you gotta like 
if you, I don't think we stay static at eight, eight and four, or nine and three, whatever. I don't think that's what happens here. I think you, mm-hmm. I think, I think the wheels come off a bit, and you have seasons that are five hundred. So I think Dabo is going to have to dig deep in the off season and and try to figure out if like if winning is the top priority going forward, and if or if, or if culture building and 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 that's where that part of the program is more important. But I wish he would tell us as fans if that's what he's going to do. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, no one's going to want to be a part of a culture no matter how good it is if you're going, you know, 50-50 in your season. So we'll just have to see. Um, this game gave us a lot to think about. Um, any other games out there this week? I know we didn't – I feel like it was hard to keep up with any other games other than it was nice to see Bama lose in uh, overtime, although I do hate watching both LSU and Brian Kelly win. I'll accept it if it means Saban's out of the playoffs for the year. Um, Tennessee lost. Um, I don't know if you got to check out that game, but kind of thought that they'd be able to uh, put up more of a fight. I think they just got behind and uh, their tempo caught up with them and then Georgia just played keep away. Yeah, I mean, this is worst case scenario is Clemson's on the on the decline and, and Georgia's about to go back to back with national championships. So that this yeah. is uh, this is a, a nightmare. Um, yeah, fade fade me. <laughs> um, I will say I will say South Bend was I, I was preoccupied at South Bend. It was a, a lovely area. Indiana is not so great. Uh, sorry if anybody's mm-hmm. from there who listens. Uh, I was only on. Uh, one strip of highway that was a lot of nothingness, and, uh, and, you know, and then and then wow, there's Notre Dame like in the middle. It's like a little oasis mm-hmm. of nothing, in Indiana, uh, and that, it was great. Their fans were great. I, yeah. I, I I would compare them a lot to Clemson fans. There, it was a good experience there. So nice uh, outside of the outside of the outcome of the game. Of course, of course. Well, look, we'll wrap it up there. This has been uh, a short and sweet podcast. Um, ben and Tully will be back on uh, next week, hopefully, uh, some combination of the four of us. And I think that's all we got. So until then, go Tigers. Mm-hmm.